Imagine that your life is spent in an environment of total physical sensation. That every one of your senses has been heightened to a level that a human being might only be described as ecstatic. Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospective. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. Hi, that's me. Hello, Matt. We haven't done this in a while. No. They yeah, don't need to know that. <laughs> no, no, but I feel like we're dusting off the cobwebs. For the the season two finale of the failed blockbusters, uh, uh, this this is a, an idea that stemmed from your genius brain, and we have now reached two years of, of failed blockbusters. Yeah, uh, we, we have we have a, a, a different episode today. This is the season finale, talking about Day of the Dolphin, the Mike Nichols film from 1973. But also, we're going to talk about the Munsters a little bit because we have to. I, I'm just gonna. I'm going to mention it up top because I know the conversation is going to go there because we've both seen it and a lot of people are talking about it for better or worse. I was so ready to like let you talk about Day of the Dolphin for like five minutes and then immediately just pivot to the monsters. No, no well, there's, there's stuff to talk about with Day of the Dolphin. Yeah, there's a dolphin in it. There, there are two dolphins in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I did not know. I thought, all right. All right, so we got we got to backtrack a little bit. When did you first hear about Day of the Dolphin? Um, I've known about Day of the Dolphin for a while. Like it's just one of those movies that you kind of hear about, and then you're like, "That's not a real movie," and then I didn't bother to watch it um, for the longest time. Uh, so I also knew I know Polanski almost did it. Yes, um, it's one of those movies that gets lost in like the post, uh, like Sharon Tate murder, you know. Yeah, like, where like he dropped a bunch of projects to kind of like take a break for a little bit. Yeah, um, piece of shit guy. Yeah, but horrible, horrible tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, he never went on to do anything awful after that. Um, but if you see him walking around France, it is your 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 civil duty to. Sh- I was gonna say something. Yeah, I heard I heard the word <laughs> building, and then I was like, hey, maybe don't say that. Uh, he's um, still, Polanski's still alive, right? Yeah, he unfortunately. That's wild. There you go. That's the most I'll say. All right, he's uh, he's eighty nine years old. Jesus fucking Christ, dude! That's like how like Woody Allen is like almost a hundred. Like I, uh, what the fuck? At least Woody Allen announced his retirement. No, he, he uh, people from his team. He has a team still somehow. Put out a statement that said, "No, no, 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 no. That was a, a misrepresentation. That was a misquote." Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. So still wants to make stuff. And yeah, Blansky like, has a movie coming out this year. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. The you fucking, Palace. You Europeans and your perverts. Um, Jesus Christ. It's got Mickey Rourke and John Cleese. Oh my God. So. John, you know what? No, John Cleese has been ass out. Yeah, John, John Cleese has been nah. psychotic. Oh, you did Carnage. Christ. I forgot he did Carnage. Let um, there be carnage. No, no, which would be kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, just like on, on principle, that would be worth like checking out. A post scandal Roman Polanski adaptation of the character Carnage, the spinoff of Venom, <laughs> who's a spinoff of Spider Man. Um, no, He's Carnage like, yeah. is the like one room, uh, like it, it's like a stage play, um, like one room drama about like two kids got in a fight at school, so the parents decide to meet like discuss it and it's one of those like oh everything goes everything gets intense in this one room mm. um 
has, has, has like Jodie Foster, Kate Winslet, Christoph Waltz, and John C. Riley were all in oh it. Oh God, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it sucks when you trace who's like worked with Polanski or like maybe signed a petition for yeah. him. Uh, don't if you ever want to get really depressed, look at but look for your favorite artist on that did, petition. Didn't someone come out and say I never signed that petition and my name is always on there? And they're like, I don't know how my name got on there. Oh, really? What the fuck? I, I remember that being a thing. There's so much weird shit around Polanski. Because there's also, like, you can find that interview of Tarantino, I think, on the Stern Show being like, eh, that girl later admitted she was lying. Which just isn't true. Like, yeah. And it's like, but I think that was just, like, accepted in Hollywood for a long, the longest time. And there's that documentary about Polanski. Did you ever see that Wanted and Desired? No, um, what a fucking title! Good yeah, lord. Yeah, it's Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's a really interesting, and they they interview uh, the victims of the assault in it, um, and she tells a pretty. And they also, it's one of those like classic ones where like Polanski like admitted he did it. Like he yeah. he gave an interview to the cops where like he's like yeah I did it. Like he doesn't realize he's committed rape. You know, it's like that. Like a lot of rapists don't really get it. Like, where he's like, yeah, you know, we, whatever. Like, it's very, it's, it's very direct. Um, and it's just a weird, weird documentary. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was around the time he got arrested. Remember he got arrested at one point, they were trying to extradite him. Yeah. Um, and then that didn't happen for whatever reason. Uh, hey. <sighs> Fucking... Europe, what the fuck? Get it together, man. Is there a... Hey, someone point me out, because Carnage is based on the play God of Carnage. I know that James Gandolfini was in a stage production of it. And I know there are bootleg copies of stage productions out there. Hmm. I know you can find them. If someone has the bootleg of Gandolfini doing the God of Carnage, please let me know. I would love oh. to see that. Right, but uh, for Day of the Dolphin, let, let, let's, let's track so, back a little so bit. So Polanski almost does it. Um, since since the scandal, uh, Polanski has made 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 movies. Oh my god. Um, including The Ninth Gate with everyone's favorite guy, uh, Johnny Depp. Oh my um, god! And uh, uh, the pianist, the the Holocaust movie where Adrian Brody acted like an asshole throughout the whole press of that thing. Um, Oliver, I still haven't seen that one, frankly. He did an adaptation of Oliver Twist. Um, the Ghost Rider. I've never seen that. I haven't seen anything post Scandal. Like I've actually heard Ghost Rider's quite good, but like I'm I I have no interest to watch it. You know? Yeah, well, let's see. A lot of his movies are supposed to be good. Still, like the the debate is not is he a bad director? You know. Yeah, yeah. It's that he's a criminal. <laughs> yeah. Um. Who admitted to his crime again? Yeah. I, I feel like I should reiterate that. Yeah. And yeah. Um, did he ever make one of those movies where like a lot of those guys will make the movie where it's like a, they will make a movie about a wrongly accused person after they were accused of a sex crime oh I don't know but oh. I feel like he's got one in his back pocket if he yeah. hasn't already like Woody Allen has that one movie about uh, the guy who like committed a murder and like 
what it feels like to walk around knowing you committed a crime like that. Jesus and It's Christ. like, that's a weird one for you to do, Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Goodness. So he's, so Woody Allen's not retiring. No, he's not retiring. He's going to keep trying to work. But I think, I, I'm guessing what that statement really is, is that Woody Allen finally can't get financing for his movies. Yeah, maybe. Like, it used to be a thing where because so many people wanted to work with Woody Allen, he could always get, like, a certain budget. Because everyone would work for scale, and you put enough names on the poster, you can sell it to enough territories that people will give you, like, five, ten million dollars. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, just the way the industry's moved on. Like, this isn't even a, a thing about either his quality of character or the quality of his films. Mm-hmm. Although it's worth noting, unlike Polanski, who people will go to bat for as an artist, even mm-hmm. though he's a criminal, uh, Woody Allen doesn't really have defenders anymore. Because yeah. his movies, the quality of his films were in decline before people had an understanding of yeah. his monstrous capabilities. Although, unfortunately, I think he did hit like a kind of new high watermark with Blue Jasmine. I really love Blue Jasmine, and then like the more stories came out after that, and then I, that was um, when it was like, oh, I'm done with Woody Allen. Yeah, I remember but, liking that one. Uh, I loved Midnight in Paris. Yeah, Midnight in Paris and is really I good. I loved Midnight in Paris, and oh. that's when after that I was like, that's when the stuff started to be more understood. But uh, also, he, he also directed the worst movie ever made, which is Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Think, I don't. <laughs> people like Manhattan. People like I, Manhattan. I'm not one but of those people. When when people go, what's the worst movie ever made? And they're like Plan Nine from Outer Space, or The Room, or like a Serbian film, or something mm-hmm. like that. Captain America: Civil War. Captain America: Civil War. You know all the usual contenders. Um, it's like, oh, is it Manhattan by Woody Allen? <laughs> no, <laughs> then you're wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, the Lorax? Um, it's worse. Manhattan by Woody Allen is the worst movie ever made. Okay, okay. It's if you make a list, we're gonna put all the films on it. It's it's Manhattan by Woody Allen is the worst film ever made. So, you, you know, know, there's no scientific way of disagreeing with that. There really isn't. It's it's a factual truth. People defend that fucking movie. Yeah, that's people a, people like it. Um, people like Woody Allen's Golden Era. Yeah. That's a that's a bad one. No. Oh, hey, maybe ask why his kids don't talk to him apart from the one that he married. Yeah, Anyways. that's that's uh, that's so weird that that like happened. Yeah, but, and people like took his side. Yeah. Oh, poor Mia Farrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not it's not great. Um, but uh, who ended up directing this movie? It was Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols, of written by Buck Henry in their last collaboration. Really? Yeah, I believe this is the last movie they ever did together. Unless, oh, okay. oh. unless there's like stories of Buck Henry like pinch hitting on like as like an uncredited writer on like Charlie Wilson's War or some shit. Like, um, Charlie Wilson's War was his last movie, right? Michael yeah, Wills? yeah. Dang, not a great one to go out on. No, um, but I mean, you fucking do the Graduate, and it's like, all right, yeah. <laughs> you 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 get a pass for a while. The last few of. Uh, Mike Nichols. I've never seen Closer, though. Have you seen Closer? I've never seen Closer. Uh, I did finally watch The Birdcage. I like The Birdcage. Birdcage is very funny, very good. Primary Colors is solid, but also is kind of like, uh, like very like Clinton era political mm. satire. Um, I I remember liking Wolf a lot. I think I brought that up in the podcast. You might be the Wolf. only person that like Wolf that likes yeah, Wolf. I, yeah. I I remember. Well, I saw it was a TNT movie for me back in the day. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't hold up, but I remember being like just fucking captivated 
It's one of it is one of those movies. Like I'll give you that. Like it definitely mm-hmm. kind of like at least the first half is like wow this is interesting and then it's like oh wait no. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also like he did what planet are you from the fucking Gary Shandling movie, mm-hmm. which was like one of those movies where like a day one into production him Mike Nichols and Gary Shandling like started hating each other. Yeah. Like so it like just didn't go well. Um, Oh, that's one of those comedy. That's back in that era where a comedy could cost sixty million dollars. Yeah, like right. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but like you know, there's a big discourse about Bros right now. The movie mm-hmm. uh, uh, from the did from everyone Billy turn on Billy Eichner? What happened? I wasn't paying um, attention. People, I, I think he's. This is not my lane. I'm quoting what I've seen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but as uh, as a white gay who 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 is uh, a big spotlight, I think he's turned a lot of people off. Um, I, he's got some Billy on the street segments, which are generally I find very funny. Um, I, I think when he he runs up against people of color on there, some people were criticizing him about maybe being too obnoxious and not reading signals that people don't want to be talking to him. <laughs> um, and I uh, in the press run up to Bros, I think he comes across as like he's making the first openly gay mm. film. Uh, yeah. Or at least romantic comedy, and I think a lot of people were like, uh, in the film uh, community, anyways, were a little more hesitant to to come out and support him because it's like, well, queer cinema has been around for yeah. decades, but, basically as long as the industry. Yeah, but I also I, I think that's that's what is it like the first the studio release, gay romantic comedy. Like wide release, I I believe so. I think technically the second, but the first one was the Kristen Stewart. Uh, Mackenzie Davis one. Oh yeah, but and then that got that, sold to Hulu during yeah. COVID. Yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So but yeah. So yeah. Technically like I get, the I first get, one. I get queer cinema, but like I, he he would have a point, I think, with uh, wide because like they're really they are not trying to do mainstream uh, male on male gay relationships. No, no, like, no. They're not. They, they they they'll do lesbians. They won't do mm-hmm. gays. Like. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, and to his credit too, like the film isn't filled with stars. It's, it could be because there's so few like LGBT mm. stars allowed, you know, yeah. <laughs> to become stars. Um, it, it's filled with other other queer actors. Okay. Uh, so like that, you know, good good on him for that. I'm, I'm not wading into that discourse. I'm just saying that like, um, it didn't cost that much to make that movie, and it still like bombed. You know, it was only mm. like twenty two million dollars. It's like mm. that sounds about right for. Why? Um, why wasn't comedy. it released during Pride? Like maybe that's that, a very good question. Maybe that's and a hey, little tacky. But and hey, like, maybe maybe at the very least a Valentine's Day release. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe don't release it during the Halloween season where you've got horror movies coming out every weekend for the next two months. Yeah, I don't know. That seems like a bad release strategy. Yeah, that's on the studio. That's not. That's not yeah. on on the on the creative team for that one. Obviously, yeah. That's just well, the like, money. The money part doesn't matter. And from what I've heard, the movie's fine. Like, yeah. I've, I've well, heard... here's the thing. Nicholas Stoller directed the Neighbors movies. I love. I think those yeah. are super underrated. Mm. And Storks, which I I think is like one of the great American animated comedies of the last ten years. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. It's very good. It's, it's very good. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he also directed "Get Him to the Greek." I don't remember that one. That's a bet. It's the unofficial sequel to "Forgetting Sarah Marshall," or like it's oh. official, official, but like because it's the same rock star guy. Right, right. Uh, Russell Brand. What's he up to? Yeah. Ba-dum-bum, ba-dum-bum. Yeah. Um. 
All I remember is I think they do like the they give Jonah Hill gets like an adrenaline shot in that movie because that was in like every trailer. Oh, okay. Oh, because of Pulp Fiction, right? It's yeah. like the joke. It's like yeah. the joke from the movie. So he's like, I'm alive. That was in every fucking trailer <laughs> for that movie. Um, he also did a movie called The Five Year Engagement, which I don't even, I can't imagine even is a real movie. Uh, it is. It, it feels like five years when you're watching it. That's the joke everyone's made about the movie, but I'm going to make it again because I bet you forgot it existed if you're listening to this, didn't you? It's you kind did. Of, it's, the popular reviews are mostly positive. So I think I think everyone's on a different planet, um, but I guess I guess this is a movie that most people just haven't seen. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, um, yeah. So Mike Nichols and all these other people are coming from a different era where you can get budgets for movies, mm-hmm. which is even funnier that Day of the Dolphin has a budget less than that of Working Girl, mm-hmm. Mike Nichols' nineteen eighty eight American romantic comedy, <laughs> yeah, uh, starring Sigourney Weaver and Harrison Ford. It's a good movie. Yeah, Working Girl's a good movie. Yeah. I think most Mike Nichols movies are good. It's just he's got he's got weird ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he, he did Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? He's responsible for J.J. Abrams. Oh my god, he did Regarding Henry. Yep. Regarding Henry, credited to a Jeffrey Abrams. Oh my god. So if you got problems with J.J. Abrams, Mike, Mike Nichols, Nich- I'm yeah. coming for your grave. Is Regarding Henry good? I remember putting it on once and I fell asleep. But I don't think it is. Um, well, here, here's the fucking thing. Here's the fucking thing about J.J. Abrams. That's a great title, though. Here's the fucking thing about J.J. <laughs> Abrams. <laughs> or Regarding Henry. <laughs> um, uh, both. I mean, <laughs> here, here's the fucking thing. He's not untalented. He's a quality director. He's a solid writer. He has structure, pacing, and occasional ideas. He can do visual ideas very well. What you don't do is you you don't let him guide a franchise. You get him to do one movie, and that's it. That's why something like Joyride fucking rocks. Mm -hmm. You know, he wrote the screenplay to that, and it's a solid ass movie. Um, he's is he still to do. Like one movie and that's it. Is he's, he still he's, doing he's a gun for hire. Superman? I don't. I don't fucking know. Like, no I, I feel like that. yeah. All the Warner Brothers shit. It feels like it's just in eternal limbo for the time being. Yeah. Although I think if they get the right team together for the next Superman movie, when all the shared universe shit dies down mm-hmm. more, um, I, I think that's gonna be like. It's gonna remind people. If again, if it works, it'll remind people that Superman's like the real deal. Yeah. But but here's here's the thing right now though is that like there's all the talks that like Warner Brothers is essentially collapsing right, and Universal wants to buy Warner Brothers, mm. um, and because of weird laws like they can't actually place a bid for two years because like of the like you have to let the Discovery Warner merger like sit for a little bit right, mm-hmm. so there's like a, there's a there's a date where Warner Brothers can finally make the bid and try to buy, uh, Warner's Discovery. Right, um, right, right. So that means, let's say, if you are, um, if you are someone who's being brought in to work on a franchise film at Warner Brothers, like, do you want to do you want to bite that bullet? Because if Warner Brothers just gets sold to Universal, there's a good to fair chance that your project, if it hasn't been made by that point, gets canceled, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if it has gotten made, your sequel gets canceled. Like, right. so like they're in a weird spot. 
Yeah. So, Unless you're fucking Batman, then mm. you're okay. Are they, they? They still have not decided what to do with the Flash movie yet, right? No, uh, it's uh, it's radio silence right now. It's radio Funny s- enough, I think it was the last episode we did mm. where I, I mentioned the quote from one of the Warner Brother Flash mm. producers, and they were like, "All's good in Flash Town," and then mm. it was like, "Oh, actually, there are more crimes." Mm-hmm. And Ezra Miller, they came out and apologized, mm-hmm. and they said they're getting help. And now it's just silence. I'm hoping, mm. I, I'm betting that they're hoping it all goes away. And that's not going to happen when you've done crimes like well, that. Well, s- since the last time we've recorded, the stock has dropped further. So. Oh, right. I was about to ask <laughs> yeah. about that. I was yeah. like, wait a second. We didn't check about that. But what I'm saying, so like, uh, Michael Keaton is supposed to be in the Flash movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and there's like, a, like right now they're like shelving a ton of shit over there for tax reasons, Right. Right. So if they shelve the Flash, which is entirely possible, I think it's entirely within the realm of possibility, that means that we brought Michael Keaton back to play Batman twice, and it's just going on a shelf, we'll never see it. Like, mm-hmm. that's insane. Streets are saying that he will no longer play the Vulture because he's tired of that runaround bullshit. Mm-hmm. And he's getting a little frustrated with the Batman stuff again. No fucking shit. Like, yeah. Can't imagine fucking why. Can't imagine. Yeah. That's uh, ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> fucking. It's just wild to think about. It's just, oh, it's, it, it's in, incredibly wild. It's, it's, it's all very fucking wild. I wonder what Mike Nichols will make of all this. I don't know how we got it. I think the point I'm trying to make is that we should just train dolphins to run studios. You they would what? they would probably do about as well. <laughs> you know what that actually is. That's uh, I just that's a South Park joke. I just ripped off a South Park joke without even realizing it. Oh, that's the, right. The dolphins that write Family Guy. <laughs> I don't fucking know shit about South Park anymore, but I remembered that. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking funny. And you can't take in that you can't take a single ball out of the tank, or they will stop writing ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, but you know what? Every once in a while, South Park hits the nail on the head. So maybe we should just do that. Maybe, yeah. It works about as well. Yeah. Uh, what, what do we make next? Dolphins. It's <laughs> like, oh, you, you do Matt Reeves, Batman, okay. Trilogy. <laughs> there you go. All right. Hey. hey. Also, remember the robots, um, the studio executive robots on, um, on Futurama? No, but I never watched Futurama as much, remember? Where, where so. it was, well, it was like the one robot just rolls dice to choose uh, the primetime lineup. Like, you so know just, what? Yeah. He, he just sounds... rolls dice and he's like, game shows are back. Like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds accurate. That sounds, that seems to be about right. Um, Actually, that sounds incredibly accurate because that's really popular on YouTube and on Netflix right now. So, yeah. What the fuck? Game shows? Game shows, yeah. Like, yeah. there's a whole other, you know, the, your Two Americas thing? Yeah. Uh, there's a whole other world of, like, reality television on Netflix, which I'm like, it's not, it's not, like, what the fuck? And then, game shows with those reality TV contestants. Yeah. Um, it's a weird industry. But also, I... It's, it's I, a very... I, hey, congrats on everyone getting the bag, though. I'm not just saying that because maybe I, I have someone in, in that part of the industry. But congrats, everyone. But I have no negative feelings about them. I have a... I, I wonder if... Because, like, everyone's trying to pivot to reality television because it's cheaper. And it does better numbers, right? Mm-hmm. But 
I feel like reality television is the thing you put on when you're working from home. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, how often do you actually watch, like, sit down watch reality television? You know? Yeah. Like, you don't... So... I feel like a lot of these streaming services are pivoting, but, like, is it going to bring anyone to the service? Like, yeah, yes, if I'm, like, scrolling through Netflix and I see some show, like, a reality show about building tree houses or something, and it's like, I guess this will work as background noise while I do whatever. Like, I can see that, like, giving a boost to the numbers, but, like, if you're not making money through advertising, what does it matter? Yeah. Like, I've been, uh... I'm not a reality TV guy. I never have been. Um, before, I had outright negative feelings about it, and now I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> so, you know, growth. Um, I, I put on, like, Planet Earth and shit. Like, I like documentaries. Not, yeah, not documentaries. to be, like, all pretentious and shit. I just like, like, Earth and nature a lot. And there which... is a there, there is a market for good reality television. I just think, though, I always say that, like, it's such a shame that we don't teach basic film literacy in school. Because I think mm-hmm. the moment you understand how editing works, like, 90% of reality shows just fall apart. Yeah. Like, like the moment you're aware of how editing works. And just most people just don't know it, and they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah. Well, like something sh- real depressing I've been seeing on, on Twitter lately. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's younger people. I There's, like, no names I can name. It's clearly, like, people that are, like, in their teens and shit like mm-hmm. that saying, but they're, like... You know, when there's rightful criticism about how certain franchises and, and mm. blockbuster films operate, you know, there's like, there's plenty to critique about film form and technique. And then you'll have these these young kids commenting and replying like, well, no one goes to these movies for like editing and cinematography. Mm. And it's like, you f- young fool, you go to every movie for editing and cinematography along with the million other things that make the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't realize it yet. Because well, just, we don't teach it here. Yeah, but I think a big part of that is just that like the Marvel films are such about like the communal experience of going to the movie, you know, yeah. which is just like capitalism has eroded all community. So yes. like it's, I mean, was there there's a fucking great piece in the I think the L.A. Times last yeah. week where it was like talking about how hey it actually de- um, deteriorates your quality of life, health, and and um, uh, psychological health uh, if you are cut off from communities, have to work all the time, can't afford healthcare, and it's like, yeah, no shit. We all know. Yeah, we all know. Like, it's We've... good that that it's it's in like the public sphere now, like mm. from a public publication. Uh, but we we know, so uh, let's do something about it. But we're also <laughs> desperate for community. It explains a lot of the weird behavior these days. Yes, like... yes, it does. I mean, I think that's why even like capitalism's trying to like like manufacture these digital communities because they can control that easier yeah uh, because the communities have already been kind of disbanded in like the real world already mm-hmm. you know like la is not there's no walkable shit here i have to drive to places <laughs> that i find walkable with friends you know you know how fucking hard it is to just like walk around and take pictures even you yeah. know <laughs> it's like it's it's miserable yeah, I have fun with it once i finally find a nice spot but you know i'm mostly going to like piers and stuff like that like it's just it's it's not like habitable the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, also, piers, ocean, dolphin. I, think I just got a couple more points to make about Day of the Dolphin. <laughs> so Day of the Dolphin, we haven't even said what the plot of this movie is. I'm just gonna read the letterbox one because it, it the the movie. Well, let does me read not the reveal its plot. <laughs> let, let me read the poster. Okay. Oh yes, dolphin. yes. Unwittingly, he trained a dolphin. To kill the president of the United States. 
It is maybe the single greatest poster tagline in the history of planet Earth. Joseph E. Levine presents George C. Scott in a Mike Nichols film, The Day of the Dolphin. It's the greatest poster ever made. Matt, did you like this movie? Um, no, it's pretty boring. It's so fucking boring. It's so fucking boring. I was so disappointed. Yeah. It's that's the thing. so fucking boring. I gotta tell you how we ended up here, because Diego, we were like, we, we, he kept adding movies to the list of shit to do, and like last minute I threw out Zardoz, and it's like, alright, let's do Zardoz. And then Diego's like, we gotta do Day of the Dolphin. And I was like, you wanna do Day of the Dolphin? And he was like, yeah, we gotta do Day of the Dolphin. I'm like, oh, Diego must have a take on Day of the Dolphin I just haven't thought about. <laughs> like, because I, I had not seen Day of the Dolphin. And I thought I kind of heard it wasn't that good, so I was like, "Diego must have something." And then I guess, I guess oh, I it, I do have something that it's crushingly it, boring. It's so boring. No, I have other stuff, but it's so boring. Mm. It broke my heart. It, it did break my heart a little bit. The actual uh, blowing up the boat at the end of the movie was actually like really good. Like that yes. was like the one part I really liked. Uh, uh. It is one hundred and four minutes long. It feels twice that length. Mm. There's no, like, like look, movies used to be paced differently before, and I understand that. You and I both understand mm. that. The first hour of this movie, roughly, is kind of spinning its wheels. And when you're making, like, like a slow burn type thriller, which this is trying to be in a way, yeah, um, which is, is hilarious, um... You still need to have, like, meaningful character interactions. Yeah. Uh, you need to, like, slowly ratchet up the tension. Because, like, the, the, the B plot that becomes the A plot, uh, the, the political conspiracy to assassinate the President of the United States, um, doesn't really become pivotal until, like, that hour mark. And even then, it's like... Like, it's kind of building in the background every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But most of the focus is on George C. Scott and Trisha Vandeveer as Dr. Jake Terrell and Maggie Terrell, respectively. Um, what I really like about the movie is that the dolphin stuff is really cute. And I love dolphins so much, even though they're horrible monster animals. Yes, they're, they're kind of awful in reality. But yes, we they're, still they're think they're evil smart. creatures. They're um, evil, evil creatures. Um, but here they're so cute. There's a dolphin named Alpha, as in Fa. That's his, that's the nickname. And then Beta is a is a female dolphin named Bea, and uh, it's it's so sweet the relationship they have with. George and they teach him. They teach him to talk. Is the they thing. teach them how to talk and communicate, um, in, in a broken language, but like they they can communicate with them. And the whole film is. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna spoil a little bit about Day of the Dolphin. Sorry, everyone who hasn't seen Day of the Dolphin, which is most of you because it's not streaming anywhere. It's not streaming anywhere, and I kind of understand like why no one's rushing to get the Day of the like why bother. Like, I would get this. I need to be clear. I, I'm going to buy this poster and hang it in. in front it is of a my great. Computer. It is a great poster, but it promises a, a much different. Uh, promises a much different film. Yes. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, the Letterbox poster also promises a much different film. It looks like George C. Scott is running with like a gun. Yeah. In like Scooby, like what the fuck? That's not in the movie. I don't um, think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the problem with a lot of like science fiction films like this, where 
I don't know the book, so maybe the book is like genius. Oh like, yeah, this is I, also based on a book, uh, "Day of the Dolphin" by Robert Merle. Mm-hmm. Is, is, I've is, never it's read a, that. Is it a French book? Or it's something a French like? book. Yeah, um, yeah. So like a lot of those books, it'll have like one note characters because the book is more about exploring the science fiction concept, you know. Mm-hmm. And like they'll, 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 a smart author will add like a note to kind of play out, which I think this movie has. But not like anything that dynamic, and then it's hard to translate that into an engaging movie, you know? Yeah, like it's because you're just watching a guy do experiments with dolphins, yeah. and we also benefit from living in an age where if we want to watch dolphins doing crazy shit. We can just go to YouTube, mm-hmm. like so. Like maybe watching dolphins do tricks like this were kind of, was kind of amazing in '73. Yeah, I think the dolphin uh, photography is pretty good. Yeah, it I, is actually, yeah. and I like underwater photography. Um, but yeah, it just never really gets there. There's like all sorts of like weird intrigue that's just not that engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird that it's written by Buck Henry. It's weird <laughs> that it's like it's Mike Nichols, Buck Henry teaming up again after you know The Graduate and Catch Twenty Two, which are like both comedies essentially, like. And then Day of the Dolphin, and they put no wit into it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing here that's like even. It's like, no, this is our premise, and we're taking it seriously. Yeah. And it's that weird. Like, did people in the '70s really think we could teach dolphins to talk? Like, they don't have lips. <laughs> like, <laughs> they they can't talk. Like, you need certain anatomical body parts in order to talk like <laughs> and um, but ultimately much like the hulk one of our earlier retrospectives it's a film that understands that the science community will be taken advantage of by american military might yeah and the two man and nature cannot coexist peacefully under those those those, those dynamics yeah and uh the the end of the film i gotta be honest actually did get me a little bit I wasn't like crying or anything like that, but I was like, "This is sad." He's well, got yeah, to—he's got to tell them to go away, and they don't. He's got to tell—he's got to—he's got to white fang the dolphins. Yeah, because they're dolphins. Yeah, and oh. it's sad. The dolphins like crying out because it's sad it has to leave its father, mm-hmm. and like it, and then it just ends on a on a scene of George Sky and Trish Vandeveer sitting solemnly mm-hmm. on a beach before the government agents come to arrest them, I guess, and figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. The rest of the plot of the film. Um, and but the rest of it's so boring. Like I can't, George, I can't recommend this. I'm George sorry. C. Scott does give a good performance for what it is. Like oh, I don't he's know, if, so committed. I don't know if you cast him as the guy who's like, yeah, I'm gonna train dolphins. Like <laughs> I don't know if that's George C. Scott's vibe, but he commits to it. Yeah, um, he, he he's he was so fucking great. Uh, and I just thought like, if they did a sequel, have him play like the role the same way he plays the fucking cop in exorcist 3 mm-hmm, yeah you know just that really fucking intense the dolphins like when he yells at him you at shut the your end. mouth when he yells at him at the end it's, that's kind of when the intensity comes out yeah um also paul sorvino the late great paul sorvino yeah um, is i liked his character in this like where you don't really know what side he's on for a little bit like mm-hmm. and i i liked that was kind of interesting but the, yeah yeah just, yeah there's not a ton here, and you're just gonna end up feeling sad because you feel bad for the fucking dolphins. Like, yeah, they didn't ask to be taught how to attach bombs to the bottom of boats. Like, <laughs> they, you know, um, 
But yeah, I mean, there's like a nugget of an idea here, and this is like post Nixon, post Watergate shit, like of just like real deep cynicism about everything in America, mm-hmm. and yeah. So I don't know. Um, not a great film. Um, I don't know what attracted Mike Nichols or Buck Henry to this. I think other than the, the military, money. other than the military thing, because like that is kind of an extension of Catch Twenty Two, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, they I, never collaborate, and I think Buck Henry doesn't do much after this. Oh, um, and Buck Henry's weird. Um, he's also dead, but um, <laughs> I think like all these people are dead. Everyone yeah, well, Buck, involved with this movie is dead. Buck Henry died fairly recently. Oh, well, he died two years ago. Okay, oh. so um, but he also hadn't worked in like as a writer since I think the nineties. Um, oh, his last movie, his last credited uh, movie for as a writer was Town and Country. Do you know Town and Country? I don't. That is the incredibly bizarre. That was also like the last movie Warren Beatty did for a long time. It was like a weird like sex comedy film that's budget somehow ballooned to ninety million dollars, and it took like three years to get made, Good and it Lord. was like a, it was like a disaster. Um, it's like a notorious disaster. Um, as uh, AV Club has a great quote about that they think about it all the time. It says, "It's the rare movie that can't decide it whether it wants to be Freddie Got Fingered or Hannah and Her Sisters." Jesus Christ! Um, that might be a film blockbuster because it made uh, ten million on a ninety million dollar budget. Yeah, uh, so. Dale the Dolphin is also uh, a bomb critically and commercially, and I think Mike Nichols did it because his other stuff was bombing too. Was it bombing? The catch twenty two. We're not bomb? bombing, but he he wasn't like making money. Like let's, Carnal Knowledge. Oh, you know what? Carnal, Carnal Knowledge was a hit. Was this catch twenty two? Catch twenty two is kind of a bomb. Yeah, twenty four million on an eighteen million dollar budget. Like that's not. Yeah. Um, it's like money. he does the Graduate, which is just like a massive hit, yeah. and then like he can't really get anything else going for a while. Uh, even after the Day of the Dolphin, let me see the Fortune. I don't. I don't think that was a hit. Mm-hmm. Killed a lot. No, Silkwood. Silkwood was a Silkwood, hit. Silkwood, Silkwood's a hit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, was it financial or just like I know financial, that was like a war, financial stuff. I think was the heartburn. Heartburn made money, which like wasn't received well in its time, but like I think people have come around to it. Mm. Uh, yeah, he, he turns it around at a certain point in the eighties. Yeah. Postcards from the Edge, the uh, Carrie Fisher written movie. Mm. Um. Yeah, he had, he had a he had a fine run. It's weird though, like when you when you do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and The Graduate is your first two movies, like, like what the fuck, you know? Yeah, it's like, kind of Ridley Scott syndrome. Where it's yeah. like you come out the gate that fucking hard with Duelists, Alien, and Blade Runner. It's you like, ch- well, you, you changed like the industry and culture back to back with two films. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're not, you're never gonna recapture that, no matter how great your movies are after that. Mm-hmm. Like that's like that's an impossible thing, and you did it twice, so yeah. Uh, I I guess it makes sense that then he would be like, all right, I guess I'm doing Catch Twenty Two, like <laughs> might as well try to adapt an unadaptable book. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like his uh, Catch Twenty Two movie. Um, I think it's solid for what mm-hmm. it is. Uh, great cast. Orson Welles in that too. Yeah. Uh, 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 apparently, like, uh... apparently hard to work with. Believe it or not. Hmm, I don't know why the, that would be. He's the one line where the one guy answers some question he asks. 
Orson Welles is like, the next time I want an answer out of you, I'll look at you, which will be as seldom as possible. <laughs> <laughs> that there's some great. Com- that's the one uh, when they like all the men are like fucking out of their minds because mm. there's a hot lady on the base and they haven't seen a woman in like however many months. <laughs> and or- it's Orson Welles' assistant, and he's like, "Can't you see that a lady is present?" Someone get her a chair. And, like, they just start, like, throwing chairs at the stage and, like, back <laughs> on each other to give her a chair. <laughs> There's some good stuff in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Catch-22. Uh, the next sound of the word of man will be shot. Uh, <laughs> Matt, if people could track down Day of the Dolphin, would you recommend it? Um, if you, like, find it in a dollar store bin, maybe. Like, yeah. it's uh, it's fine. Unless you're, like, a Mike Nichols completist. There's some good underwater <laughs> photography. It's like, I can't believe this is a movie. It could only be made in the 70s. Yeah, I, uh, I have a Blu-ray copy of it for this. And oh then eventually God. I found, uh, because we were... We some maniac release it on 4K? Oh, no, no, no. It's uh, it's just traditional Blu-ray, although it does have special features. I got an audio commentary by film historians Howard S. Berger and Nathaniel Thompson. Interviews <laughs> with screenwriter Buck Henry and actors Leslie Charlson and Edward Herman. A radio spot. <laughs> That's how old this fucking shit is. And a theatrical trailer. That's it. It's uh, from Kino Lorber. Mm. What um, about uh, any any footage of George C. Scott getting drunk during a production mm. on Broadway? <laughs> oh no 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 no. <laughs> there was some interview with Nathan Lane I saw not too while not too long ago where um, he was asked about George C. Scott being drunk when they were on stage together, and Nathan Lane starts oh, yeah, laughing yeah, yeah. so hard about it he can't get the words out. To yeah. tell the story, <laughs> I think that was the Marin interview, right? right. It might have been Marin, yeah. Yeah, because like... I, I, yeah, I, I love, I love Nathan Lane. I, mm-hmm. I was kind of watching only Murders in the Building because I heard Nathan Lane was in it. Yes, I'm like, oh, I like this show, but I, like, I'm trying to get all the Nathan Lane I can because yeah, like Lane. not a lot of stuff, you know. Not, he's, he's not a lot, but he's always great. Um, yeah, he he's mostly a a, a fucking Broadway guy, a play yeah. guy, which is totally Although he's, fine. He is now I retired, I believe, from Broadway. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. At least in the in the Criterion Closet video he did, he said, I think he said he's done with um, musicals. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. The more Nathan Lane, the merrier. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's great. Um, he's like the best part of movies that are like terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he played fucking Ethley Bailey on The People vs. O.J., like, Wait, really? Yeah, that's wild. Oh, shit. Okay, I gotta watch that. So if you want to see Nathan Lane saying the N-word like three times... Oh, I like, don't know if I want to see that. Yeah. But... That is one of the... I cannot believe people tried to defend the People vs. O.J. Simpson uh, TV miniseries. Because there's that scene, they want to like... Alright, how are we going to make... Because like, you know, F. Lee Bailey is trying to get... Uh, what's his name? to lie on the record and say he never said the N-word, right? <laughs> and, like, which is a real thing that happened, and Ethley Bailey is saying the N word in court, and they decide to shoot it like it's a NASCAR race for some reason. <laughs> like the camera's constantly flying around the room. It's like this is what the N word does to people, and it's like oh what the. That was the one I was talking. I was on the phone. I was recovering from surgery, and I put the People versus OJ on because why not? And I was talking on the phone with my friend Shannon. And uh, there's the montage scene where they're trying to get rid of all the jurors, right? They're like, they're trying to figure out how to eliminate jurors that might not be favorable to OJ mm-hmm. by like catching them or like driving them crazy and stuff like that. And they're playing a song underneath it, right? 
Right. And um, I go to Shannon. All right, take a guess. What song is playing during this montage? <laughs> and she goes, another one bites the dust. And I'm like, that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it was like in an instant. <laughs> like. <laughs> so you'd recommend... That's uh, I, I recommend I recommend uh, studying the entire body of work of Nathan Lane. There you go. Um, also, find that clip of him where he talks about getting in a fight with Harvey Weinstein. That's a very funny story. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But and hey, it was Max Bialystok. Oh, you know what? That that was like a, what was that? Jimmy Fallon or, or... it was uh, Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Seth uh, Seth Meyers. Uh, gets the more risque responses not like risque by modern standards not real risque because i just remember that story nathan lane's talking about how like even hillary clinton went up to him to, to kind of talk him down from uh, making harvey weinstein jokes yeah at, like something and i was like hmm very pointed reference right there yeah he also <laughs> said that uh, up he said something like so hillary came to see me she got out of her coffin like one of those classic like <laughs> yeah. nathan lane just throws in his ear so, <laughs> so yeah. yeah nathan lane's rocks nathan, nathan lane's great nathan, nathan lane, lane is much better than day of the dolphin yes uh, although nathan... i watch a remake starring him fuck uh nathan lane is in disappointment boulevard the ari aster film which oh, means why is that... now i have to see it <laughs> I, I like ari aster yeah i know <laughs> I, I just rewatched hereditary and midsummer and they were like it's one of those movies where, like, I like these movies, but I also think I hate Ari Aster. Oh, okay. Uh, Hereditary uh, is just really upsetting to me. He's he's, crea- he's credited as the second lead in Disappointment Boulevard. Oh, that, that fucking rules. That can't be, that can't be right. That's just oh gotta my be like, god. That, I, I hope, hope that's true. I hope, but goddamn. Um, oh, that's if that's true, that's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, here, here's the last thing about Day of the Dolphin. This is the most important bit, all right? Mm-hmm. There's two anecdotes from the IMDb trivia. Okay. The trained dolphins who played Alpha and Beta were actually named Buck for screenwriter Buck Henry and Ginger for dancer Ginger Rogers. And on the next to the last day of filming, when their parts were done, they escaped and never returned. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, but this is the most important one. On the 2019 episode of Conan guest tracy morgan said this was his favorite film. i heard that yeah i did yeah. see that so i and i heard that before too uh yeah so shout out tracy morgan and uh i believe i don't know if this one's true but he wants to star in a remake of it <laughs> um which do you remember, i remember do you remember for five minutes after piranha came out three piranha 3d came out was like the comedy horror film right yeah and there was like five minutes where they were like we're gonna re- remake jaws as a comedy do you remember this? Um, there, maybe it, it was like a five-minute conversation, and Tracy Morgan was in talks to play Matt Hooper. You know what? If you play that straight, I think that could work. Maybe that'd be. Interesting. I think Tracy Morgan has a depth of dramatic potential that hasn't been tapped in. Also, when you brought up Conan, I just thought about when Tracy Jordan went on Conan and tried to stab him. <laughs> 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 whenever i i think of tracy jordan i always think of the the little bit in uh uh the show within the show of dirty rock and he's like it's farting it's <laughs> farting 
It's so stupid. Uh, don't make me show you the back of my hand. Please don't <laughs> hurt my feelings or whatever. <laughs> Got Tina um, Fey. There's another weird person, Tina Fey. Yeah, she needs the the confinement of primetime television to tone down her. Let's just yeah. call them eccentricities because yeah. Dirty Rock's great. Uh, problematic at times for sure, but it's it's fucking fantastic. It's it's a comedy that holds up. And then you see the first season of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and you're like, wow, this is pretty great. There's a little weird stuff in here, but there's a little really great. And then she starts writing with the freedom Netflix provides her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, no. Yeah. There's something, with, there's something with Tina Fey where it's like there will be jokes on 30 Rock where it's like you just won comedy. Like that's yeah. the funniest joke I've ever heard. And then she like resorts to like really like cheap like race humor, you know, like mm-hmm. – where it's like, like anyone could have made that joke. Yeah. Like it's not even clever, you know. Like it's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is that? Um, but... I think my my favorite was uh, I'm, I I I like most of Tina Fey's work. I'm gonna dunk on her right now. Mm. But when she had like a couple like movies come out and they all bombed critically and financially. Yeah. And then she had an interview where she was like, "Well, you know, TV's like way better than movies nowadays." And then someone was like. Well, yeah, if you're making the movies, Tina Fey's making. I'm sure TV's great compared to movies. <laughs> Which is unfortunate, but you yeah. know. Well, that was... It was like 30 Rock, The Office, and Parks and Rec were all on at the same time at one point on NBC. And Community. But, and it Community. Was, it like, was, like, legendary. The, yeah. That was, like, un, unbelievable. And then someone at NBC was like, what if we tanked one of these shows? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Oh, wow. Imagine being an NBC executive and just you're doing well and you're decide, but what if we didn't do well? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Day of the Dolphin. Day of the Dolphin. Um, um, is it more interesting than Rob Zombie's The Munsters, which is the second half of this episode now? Absolutely not. Um, the Munsters is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best movies of the year. Uh, it's I I don't understand why people are not rallying around the monsters. Um, there is no bit here, by the way. I'm not being funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this movie's fucking outstanding. Uh, and I had to I have to sit every fucking Halloween. I make the, I made this point on Twitter, but I'm gonna make it again because it drives me nuts. Every fucking Halloween, I have to sit through everyone talking about how Halloween Two by Rob Zombie is a genius film. And then the Monsters trailer dropped, and suddenly everyone, like, lost their minds. And we're like, what's Rob Zombie doing? And I'm like, you know exactly what he's doing. What the fuck are you talking about? And then he made this perfect object, and people are, like, baffled by it. So, Diego, what are you about to say? I don't... I don't understand why people don't have media literacy... And like the baseline media literacy anymore. Now I don't think this is the home run that you just hyped it up as, but I really like the monsters. Mm-hmm. It is so clearly a, a movie made for literal five-year-olds. How do any of you have the outright anger and annoyance mm. in your body? Do you have nothing else going on in your life that you you look at a movie like this and you're like, this I'm gonna destroy this. I'm going to make a riff track to this. Like, I, 
I don't know. It's it's cute and it's sweet and it's well meaning. I think it's got huge pacing problems. I can't really go to bat for it. Like yeah, it's a little as, long. Like, a, that's like the thing. It's like, a little the, long. It's a and little I, long. I, I think it's a little drawn out and like it's like structurally. I don't know how well it holds up like as a movie. Mm-hmm. But what the? F- it, it was like a fun, cute watch, and the jokes are like really bad and funny. Like yeah. it's intentional that they're bad. Mm-hmm. What? It's, like it's, people it's, think it was like an accident. It's the monsters. Have you? Has anyone watched the monsters? Like apparently I get, not. Yeah, it's like I just I was I guess <clears throat> the thing is you hear Rob Zombie's the monsters, right? Yeah. And you get like an image in your head that isn't this movie, you know? Yeah. Like you get like oh from the twisted mind of Rob Zombie, which I guess is what the executives were hoping for. And then Rob Zombie's like, no, I love the Munsters. I'm just going to do the Munsters. <laughs> and then people are like, the fuck is this? <laughs> um, yeah, I had a great time watching it. It uh, is so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's, one of those, it's also like where the jokes are like really dumb. Like these are some of the dumbest jokes I've seen in a while, you know? Yeah. But uh, you get like... You, you get into the rhythm of it, so like anytime like one of the jokes is made, it's like this is the fucking funniest shit I've ever seen. Like, now it's worth noting a couple things. This is a failed blockbuster season finale. Uh, this is technically a failed blockbuster because I believe, if I have my history correct, Universal Production because they own the rights to the monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they see what Rob Zombie's done and they're like, "What did you do?" We cannot release this, which is yeah. now like I believe this is the second time this has happened with Rob Zombie and Universal. What was the first one? I believe that's the story with House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. He, he shot it for Universal, turned it in, and then they like were like appalled. And then he, like, had to shop it around to, like, other studios. And then he could only bring, like, parts of the movie with him. That's why that movie, like, falls apart in the third act. Mm. Um, because suddenly he, like, ran out of... He he ran out of, like, all the scenes he had. Like, and he also gave some interview. I think whoever took it after... Um, whoever took it after Universal, he was giving an interview with, like, John Favreau. And he was like... Like, oh, so I guess the movie's over at Warner Brothers now. And Rob Zombie gave an interview. He's like, yeah, uh, Universal said the movie was amoral. I guess that means Warner Brothers has no morals. And then Warner Brothers dumped the movie because of that comment. Oh, no. well, I mean, I don't love House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's that's not... very funny and unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but it is like, I think it was one of those ones where like, it was like a year in post-production because he was trying to get someone to release it. Okay. And then Lionsgate finally did it. And it made money. Made enough to get money for uh, uh, Devil's Rejects. Yeah. So. And, you know, Rob Zombie's also been very open about wanting to do other stuff besides, yeah. like, the grisly, grungy horror stuff yeah. he's known for. He wants to and do the Groucho Marx movie. Yeah, he, he said he's not, like, like actively chasing that anymore. But, you know, it's definitely, mm-hmm. it's not left his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the monsters, like, it, it's so clearly just, like, a movie for, like, literal babies. Why are, are, are any of you, like, upset about this? Yeah, <laughs> and they're, just, they're just doing dumb monster jokes for, like, almost two hours. Yeah. Like, I get that maybe you'd want it to be 90 minutes. I would, I could agree with that. Yeah. But, knocked down to about eighty, in my yeah. opinion. But. but you know, if you like, put it on in the background, like for it's a good like Halloween movie. Yeah, the like, fuck. Uh, like, in a uh, citation needed, but 
apparently the budget was like five million dollars. And oh my god, of, they, he did a lot with that five million. Honestly, there's some he, great production sets. budget wise. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love. I mean, it does look kind of cheap, but like that's that's the monster. But it's yeah, but like what the fuck? It's weird. It looks like they spent a lot of money to make it look cheap. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. So it, um, like I have not seen Creep Show yet. But I know a lot of the close-ups are accentuated by the comic book yeah, style yeah. backgrounds. And they do that here for the monsters, too. That's mm. not cheap, you know? Yeah. You have to make individual reaction shots for that. Mm. Uh, it's, it's constantly draped in color. And I actually like this note because Rob Zombie was like, I want to shoot it in black and white. And they were like, uh, fuck, no, you're not. <laughs> and he was like, okay, well, if I can't make it in black and white, let me go the exact opposite direction the right I'm call add as much color as possible and it's like oh okay so now it's got like this buoyancy to it the monsters have appeared in color before um like it was a black and white show but there are color like specials they did and like they made herman munster way greener in this than he was mm. in any of those yeah uh, which uh, I'm fine daniel with. roebuck is fantastic oh my god i was dying with the count. that's not his, that's his, that's yeah, yeah. His, his his shit was so fucking funny um, oh my god. It just worked. It was like, you're very kind. Thank you. The kind I don't need. Like, <laughs> just like that. Um, just... So he's a little obsessed with the Black Plague. A man needs his hobbies. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, it's R- all... Richard... Yeah. It's all well, jokes like that, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, Richard Brake, who I've always been a fan of, like, gets a chance to do... Like, he still plays creepy here, yeah. but it's, like, so comedically creepy... Mm. Um, he he's he's in like a bunch of shit. Uh, he was Joe. Heard. He was fucking Joe Chill in Batman Begins. Yeah, uh, he was he was the disgusting coroner in Halloween too. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh my god, the most repulsive like performance of history. <laughs> but, um, here but here he's, he's like really funny. He's two roles as Doctor Wolfgang and Orlock. Um, <laughs> Count Orlock makes an appearance. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I. It was so fun. Like, the makeup looks great, too. Like, I don't know what people want out of this stuff. Um, yeah. Here, here, let me ask you this. What is your history with the Munsters? Because well, I have, I, I don't have, like, a deep history or knowledge of them, but, I, you know, they've always been there, and I've, I've seen them before. Here's here's an honest story from my life. This is true. The only argument I've ever had with my father where it got to the point where, like, both of us were yelling, was one time I said, I preferred the Adams Family to the Munsters. <laughs> so, my dad's a huge Munsters fan. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's the reason why I was... I, I have seen less of the Munsters than the Adams Family. Um, but it was always kind of on, you know, t- I think TV Land played it a lot, you know? Oh either, yeah, yeah. Either yeah. TV Land or like Nick at Night when they would do old shows. That's like how I've seen like a bunch of Bewitched and shit like that from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'm aware of it, and it's about the same level of humor. Like it's it's very similar. Like people are just constantly scared of Herman Munster, and he doesn't totally understand why. He's making dumb jokes all the time. He does the dumb laugh. Uh, <laughs> what's weird is I am so used to Fred Gwynn as like. The judge from My Cousin Vinny and, uh, like, the guy from Pet Cemetery, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's weird when... I, like, Herman Munster kind of fucked his career up for a little bit because he was so typecast. 
And he plays such a goof on the Munster show. It's such a different vibe that than like when he's like a more of an authority figure in his later career. Um, but yeah, it's a little weird. Like I know, like a lot of Munster's stuff isn't even in the movie, which I thought was kind of strange. Yeah, there's no uh, Eddie Munster. No Eddie Munster. Uh, the sister isn't there. There's the joke where uh, she has a sister and she looks like a normal person, and so like therefore is like the ugly duck of the family because yeah. she doesn't have any monster traits. Um, the fucking Dracula doesn't make an appear. Um, the the namesake for Rob Zombie's most popular song, yeah, uh, which is Grandpa's Car, <laughs> is which he gets in a drag race in in one episode. <laughs> um, I know that one because that's like that's one of the more popular episodes. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a little strange that this is essentially a prequel to the Munsters show to the point where the ending of the movie is just the opening for the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um. But, Which I thought was very sweet. Yeah, it was. I, that really got me. I was like, mm. yeah, I was kind of tired by the end of that. And mm. I was like, oh, no, this is really sweet. It's, also, it's so clearly made with so, like, so much love, yeah. too, you know? It's also so clearly just a film about how Rob Zombie met Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, which is also worth noting. <laughs> Sherry Moon Zombie. Uh, Rob Zombie's like the ultimate wife guy. Mm. Respect, respect. Uh, um, uh, open Sherry season. Moon Zombie has some weird politics. Oh and yeah, she's weird opinions sh- about vaccinations. She's sh- a strange person, but hey, let's not look into that right now. <laughs> You're more <laughs> praising the monsters. Yeah, we're talking about the monsters. More importantly, she gives a very good performance as Lily Monster. I don't know if that's most importantly, uh, but she's uh, very Im- good here. Most importantly, she does that. Also, it's open season on wife guys lately, so let's be let's be careful. Oh when, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Going in on. Um, praising the wife guy angle uh but she gives a good performance she uh, is she totally gets the vibe of this yeah all these people completely like got the monsters vibe and jeff daniel uh, phillips who uh i don't know a ton of like i only know him from other rob zombie movies really all right um, and... i got this one because <laughs> i know him from stuff like faster uh i, th- I believe he has a, an appearance in american pickle I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw that. The Seth I did Rogen. not see American Pickle, no. Solid movie. Um, uh, the, the cinematographer's uh, 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 something troll. He was, a, he was apparently in Undercover Brother 2, which oh, is okay. the first time I have found out there is an Undercover Brother 2. <laughs> Hang on, I, have to, I, have to, I, I just called the director something troll. His name is Brandon Trost, who directed American Pickle. Oh, okay, okay. He, he's a cinematographer who's worked on a lot of Seth Rogen movies and actually shot Halloween 2. He's a great cinematographer, and he's a solid director. I'm looking forward to what he does next. Um, I know Jeff Daniel Phillips from a single episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where he played Angmar the Screamer. Oh, okay. So, deep cut for deep all cut. my old MCU heads Based on the Munsters, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he's great. He's tons of fun in this. Mm. Uh, give, him, give him more stuff. And he just, he has to deliver the corniest jokes imaginable. And he fucking kills it every time. Yeah. Like, um... Like, I don't... Are people just, like, poisoned to, like, sincere corniness now? Is yeah, that, I think... Is that what I, it is? There is a weird thing I've noticed, especially with younger people, where they don't understand that a director can make a deliberately, like, kind of arch, kind of goofy, kind of silly choice with a movie. You mm-hmm. know? Like, 
you don't have to like the Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, but you have to understand those, like, all those choices were made for a reason. They they weren't unaware of how corny they were. Like, yeah. And people seem to, like, people who like those movies seem to think it's, like, almost an accident that they're that corny. Mm-hmm. Um... Which I, I'm just more baffled by than anything else. That like we've lost that thread. Um, whereas nowadays everything is very. I guess it's just because everything is so controlled now with the Marvel I, films. I think and, like even though it's, this is me, not even gonna like fully defend the Marvel films, but I'm gonna say you know we were talking earlier about how like like these capitalist interests like kind of controlling like uh, means of production, uh, communities, environments, and you know of course art. And if art's going to be more diluted, then it's going to be less expressive. It's going to be less individually expressive. Even if, like, a group of individuals coming together to make a movie, you know, that's expression. Um, and, you know, camp is is maybe the most expressive. It's overly expressive. That's why it turns people off sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if you're not shown that, you know, you're not going to understand it and you're going to reject it at first. And uh, if you don't get, like, exposed to a lot of it, you're just going to keep outright rejecting it. And if you don't like this movie, like it's totally fine. Because again, I do think it has like a lot. I'm not as high on it as you are, mm-hmm. but I, I I do think it has like pacing problems, and I can't really go to bat for like as a movie. But you, you know, know what? Here's something I do really appreciate about it, even though it's a little long. Um, you know those Adams Family movies that like everyone loves those now, right? Um, the the mm-hmm. Raul Julia starring Adams Family movies, and I, I I like those movies a lot too. They're great, you know. Uh-huh. They're great to put on for. But there is such a, like, trying to fit the Abbas family thing into, like, a very conventional plot that also doesn't make any sense, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. the Abbas family, both those movies have, like, very obvious villains. They they have, like, incredibly weird, like, why is Uncle Fester, like, so much, like, the center of the plots in all those stories, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Like, the, the Abbas family movie is literally, like... We're going to have a guy pretend to be Uncle Fester so he can get to the M's family fortune, but then it's going to turn out by the end of the movie that it actually was Uncle Fester, which is like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, that's so silly, and it's like just like, we just need a plot to build a movie around. I kind of appreciate that the Munsters didn't really bother to do that. <laughs> like, I kind of appreciate that the movie is literally just like, the Munsters, like, all right, here's how Herman Munster was made. Here's how they met. Like, it's kind of just like little vignettes, you know? Like... Mm-hmm. That there is no, there's no antagonist really. Like, even with Lester and his gambling addiction and <laughs> all the debts he has, like even with that, it's they're not like villains trying to like destroy the monsters at all times, you know? Yeah. So well, it's there, there's the, there's the ex-wife. Yeah, there's the ex-wife, but it's like it's stuff just like, you know. Uh, um, like, it's just, we, we just watch each individual sequence play out, you know? Like, uh-huh. it's like, here's the creation of Herman Munster. Here's Munster getting famous in show business. Here's them <laughs> meeting. Here's them going on vacation. Here's them getting married. Here's them moving to suburbia. Like, it's just that. That's just the movie. And I kind of appreciated the simplicity of it, that there wasn't an attempt to kind of stick it into a, like, kind of convoluted, like, really basic plot with an obvious villain of some kind, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying I needed, like, the, the huge, like... Like, that being uh, said, it probably could... narrative conflict or anything like that. 
It probably could have been 80 minutes or something, <laughs> but... Yeah, it's, it's just a little long, but you know, I also got to remember too, like, Rob Zombie never got a chance to make a movie like this before. I'm sure yeah. he wanted to, like, indulge every opportunity oh, and, possible yeah, to and make every... it, like, as, like, family-friendly uh, comedy, because who knows if he's going to get a chance to do this again. Yeah, you know? I'm guessing it's going to be a no after this. Um, <laughs> oh, that's sad. I mean, yeah, it's just how it is, but he made a great movie. Um, uh, oh, I also want to shout out uh, Jorge Garcia. Oh Lost, yes, um, yeah, Hurley who from is fantastic yeah. as Floop. Yeah, he's great. Um, oh my god, he names Herman Munster. <laughs> yeah, uh, and people were like upset that he 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 named him after the sandwich he was eating. They're like, that's so dumb, and it's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> like, it's not an accident that it's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, the character is dumb. Like, that's that is the joke. Congratulations uh, on there, not liking the joke. There's an amazing scene because he's like Herman's biggest supporter in his show business thing. So it's also like <laughs> yeah. Herman, Herman Munster is the product of the two gay dads, by the way, which is entirely in the subtext of the original Frankenstein film. But anyway, um, <laughs> and like so, there's the one who's kind of like very vain and not supportive, and then there's Floop who's very supportive, and he's, there's the great scene where he's like, "You got to do your dirty Harry impression." <laughs> <laughs> and he's got like Groucho Marx mustache on and like a goofy hat and he does a terrible Dirty Harry impression <laughs> and then he's like gives me chills every time it's like oh my god I can't <laughs> I was at a certain point I was laughing just because I kind of couldn't believe this is what the movie was <laughs> like I was kind of amazed that um oh and the gag where it's like um oh the the, the renowned physicist has died on the same day as his brother who is a terrible stand-up comedian yeah. <laughs> and it's like they're both their bodies are being kept at the same morgue and it's like gee i wonder what's gonna happen with those bodies like, <laughs> and then i was like only a moron would mix up the two yeah. let me reiterate that yeah. <laughs> only an absolute moron <laughs> oh it was great so uh, it was also great. do you know who that news reporter was um who was it D. Wallace. Oh, yes, yes. yeah. This the is great D. Wallace. This is so weird. There's so many weird little cameos. It's not as stacked as Rob Zombie's other films, where like he seems to get all his horror convention pals to be in one movie. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty... It's got a lot of people in it, and it's like incredibly strange cameos. And then also, for no reason, a lot of people playing like multiple roles... For yeah. reasons that don't make a lot of sense, but... Um, yeah, I don't really understand why why Daniel Robach plays... Like, well, uh, why he's uh, also the news anchor, like... Yeah, well, um... But it's is, funny. Is there, like, a reason? It's very funny, but, like, is there, like, a, a narrative reason for it, maybe? I, I don't know. I it, it But they did it. Um, they did also, it. They sure did. Also, fucking Sylvester McCoy's in this. A fucking Doctor Who... Is in this? Yes. <laughs> um. Uh. Radagast the Brown. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know, say what you will about the Hobbit movies, he that dude got the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um. And did you ever see his uh, welcome video to the new uh, Doctor? Um. No, I did not. Yeah, no. it, it's very sweet. I'll, I'm gonna put that as the outro for this. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll send it to you after. But it's very sweet. He's telling <laughs> like, welcome to their like their. Their little exclusive club. It's like mm. a it's great to have another Scott there finally, mm. and like it's, it's very sweet. It's very welcoming, and and uh, he seems like a, a, a real class act. I also remember when they did the uh, the five ish doctors. Did you ever see that? No. It was during the Doctor Who fiftieth anniversary, 
And it was like they weren't going to do an episode where all the doctors came back. Like, they just did kind of the newer guys. Um, and so the five, so they made a, a little like TV movie called The Five Ish Doctors, which is all the old Doctor Who's that are still around trying to get back into the Doctor Who TV series. Oh. <laughs> and it's just them like going to conventions and stuff and like trying to like harass um like steven moffat and shit like that oh that's <laughs> funny it was pre- i remember being pretty cute it was it was fun yeah for what it I was i saw the doctor who day of the doctor oh yeah yeah, yeah. that was uh, incredibly fine yeah it's, it's solid it's solid it, yeah you know um john hurt as suddenly there's another doctor <laughs> oh yeah it's like oh we forgot one <laughs> oh, oh no we didn't forget one one person isn't returning his calls and oh. wants nothing to do with the doctor who franchise ever again oh so, not all but he was in the the little prequel to that was he yeah 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 patrick mcgann i think is his name Let me check. no no i'm talking about the other guy fucking oh, uh Ninth Doctor. I can't remember his name. Oh, Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, the guy who's like hates the Queen. Yeah, right. uh, Who's like, he did like one season of Doctor Who and was like, I'm done with this. (laughs) But he got like blacklisted because he's like so fucking vocal anti establishment and shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a good fucking actor. He is a good actor, but I think that was the thing where he was kind of like, I'm an actor. I don't, I'm not doing this Doctor Who shit anymore. Um, So. Um, but hey, you know, whatever. Maybe yeah. says a lot that he's my favorite. But he's also my first one, so that's yeah. why he's, like, you know. It honestly worked out in a weird way because it was like, okay, you get one season with this guy, so, like, it sets people up for the Doctor regeneration thing earlier. I yeah. think that's why New Doctor Who had a longer longevity than people maybe expected that mm. that happened so early. Um, uh, seems to be not as big these days anymore. But, no, I think um, it sort of died down. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's too too much, almost, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Stephen Moffat, weird guy. Oh, he's uh, not running it anymore, though. Yeah, but I he, I think he's very responsible for the position the Doctor Who franchise is in. <laughs> I would agree. So, um, yeah. It's crazy that fucking Peter Capaldi was the Doctor. That is pretty wild. Uh, and, great and, actor. Yeah, and they kind of didn't use him very well. Hmm. Um, well, the, the the other person took over. Um, I forget her name, but she was in Tack the Block. She's a great actress. Yeah, yeah, Jenna right? Coleman. Oh, no, Thank that's, you. Uh, no, no, that's, no, Jodie no, Whittaker. Jenna, Jody yeah, Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker. I don't yeah. know why I said Jenna Coleman. Probably because I was a, looking at the name Jenna Coleman. Well, Jenna Coleman uh, was the... Yeah, she was uh, Clara Oswald. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, Jodie Whittaker's great. Um, I've heard those. there's some good stuff in the new um, Doctor Who's. Uh, but again, I think I've, it's turned into like for a show where I just like... I wait a little bit, and then I just look up a best of list, and I just watch those. Mm. Yeah. I used to be a little more obsessive about it, but uh, now there's a I've 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 maybe watched enough Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun to like direct an episode or something like that. Maybe I don't yeah. know. If um, it's if I think they gotta stop doing the serialization. Yeah, they gotta stop doing the overarching thing. Like yeah. I'll be honest, like, I think that was the one thing like Russell T Davis really did right was that like there was like an overarching plot to each season. But it kind of only mattered for, like, the first episode, the last two episodes, and then, like, one in the middle, like, mm-hmm. and then everything else kind of stood on its own. I think that helps for people jumping on board, but I don't know. You know, I and I think this is a complete inverse of why the monsters worked for you, maybe, mm-hmm. um, but, like, I think that's something that's television is missing in general right now. 
Yeah. Is that like, you know, not not everything needs like an overt serialization. I think that's why a lot of people are really drawn to something like Abbott Elementary right now, which I yeah. really like as well. And it's just like, you know, you, you want to pop in once in a while. That's totally fine. You don't not everything needs your undying devotion on a weekly basis. Um, and it's also fun, like I'm sure as creatives, just come up with like a one-off story. It's like I have this idea for like a science fiction story. I don't really have anything to hang it on yet. Oh, let me, uh, I'm in the Doctor Who writing staff. Yeah, let me see. I think I can crack this episode. Oh, here's that idea I have. Let me see how it works in the confines of Doctor Who. There you go. There's a story right mm-hmm. there. You know. Yeah. But uh, we don't really get to experiment like that anymore because everything needs to be so serialized. And, yeah, for binge uh, watching. A mini series. Or it's actually one long movie, and the next person that says that should be hung in the streets. Well, it's weird. It's like they just announced. Like I think Netflix announced they're moving away from the binge model. Like Thank they want to, but like they're gonna still make them to be binged. Is the problem? Like they're not gonna change that. Why would they? Fucking hopefully not. But we will see. Yeah. Um, but if you want fucking better art, watch the monsters. Frankly, <laughs> I mean, like this is totally like. Not what a studio would ever put out, very clearly because they re- they just sold it to Netflix, like they clearly were, and they and Universal has their own streaming service by the way. Yeah, like they didn't even bother to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think The Monsters is a beautiful little movie, um, and I highly recommend it. Uh, I am going to buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, I'm saying I'm gonna own much. it. So it looks the colors just fucking pop in this thing too. Yeah, I and you know what? Like even if I like hated this movie, which I had the kind of the opposite reaction to. <laughs> again, I don't I don't love it as much as you do, but I, I really had a, a blast with it. The colors are so like vibrant and rich and like remember lighting, yeah. <laughs> you know? Remember direction? It's all here. It's the baseline quality of a feature film, and it's here. And that's cool. And I'll go on record saying, without a doubt, this is going to be better made than the Wednesday Addams miniseries. Yeah. Is that Uh, out yet? When does that drop? uh, Is it going to drop like November 1st? Like they're not even going to release it for Halloween. November 23rd. It's worse. Jesus Christ. I know. It's Thanksgiving. I know. I know. Um, Tim Burton's like directing on that right yeah well that's weird we're like he hasn't done like anything for a few years now and like it's like wednesday yeah. and, and he, really? here's the, the cast for the, the wednesday adam series is is perfectly uh, yeah exceptional sounds, yeah jen, jen ortega modern day scream queen um mm-hmm. she fucking she, she's incredible louise, louise Guzman, the, the goose, goose the goose perfect choice for gomez frankly mm-hmm. like, Catherine zeta jones is morticia excellent. another perfect choice like you, you got you got talent it's not going to be their fault that it's going to be bad. Yeah, it's going to be Tim Burton's fault. Yeah. It would be weird, though, if Tim Burton, like, is that, there's always that hope that a guy like Tim Burton just kind of fucking puts it together again, you know? I, I think like, he's just done. I think, I think so, just, too. Yeah. But, like, you want to hope, right? Yeah. Like, it would want... be great. It'd be great to, like, go to bat for him. But I was talking to someone else, too, and they're like, you're not excited about it? I'm like, no, it's fucking Tim Burton. They're like, yeah, I love Tim Burton. I'm like, what's the last Tim Burton movie you love, though? And they're like, oh, you know, like, uh, I really love Sleepy Hollow. And I was like, what else has he done since then? Yeah. And they're like, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. And I was like, no, you're thinking about Corpse Bride, mm-hmm. which I also do kind of like, but I don't like love. And then huh? besides that, it's like Big Fish I'll go to bat for. And then there's nothing. There's nothing for 20 years. You know what's sad is they also, uh, 
they canceled that Sabrina show they were working on, which was kind of the other like Wednesday Adam type show, you know? Yeah. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That was that was solid for what it was. Okay, I didn't they, I didn't see it yet. I not, I just tapped out of Riverdale. Not not like amazing, but it's like solid. Mm. And like, but you know, if you get that's a Netflix thing where like you get invested in these shows and they just cancel them. Like, why stick around? Mm. There's nothing. Don't, don't you want to have like multiple shows that are attracting people? Eh, whatever. I don't know. I'm not in charge of these companies. No, no. Like, like, like I said before the podcast, if these executives didn't know what they were doing, they wouldn't be there. Play <laughs> uh, me but, off, Paul. <laughs> you know what? I don't know what executive I have to thank for the Munsters. Yeah, but someone got fired over it. <laughs> you know someone got fired over it. See, produced by Rob Zombie. That's a good sign. That's a good that's sign. It. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, Rob Zombie. I, well, there's also, you know the uh, Brian Fuller monster thing, right? Yes, I was going to bring that uh, up. Mockingbird, Mockingbird Lane. Lane. Which was, a, I believe it was like, it's a special, right? And it was supposed to be like a backdoor pilot and then it didn't get picked up. Um, I never saw it, though. Because it, it, they aired it at it. like midnight. Like... It was one of those I think like they wanted it and then they they like got it and like decided oh we don't want this and they kind of just dumped it in October one year. Mm. Um, it's solid for what it is. It's like th- that is the though like it's not a comedy. It's like a dark version of the monsters. You know, oh, like okay. it's like they're actual monsters in it. <laughs> um, and it's got Eddie Izzard and Jerry O'Connell and. Uh, it's. I remember liking it. Um, it, it, it was. A, it's a shame it didn't get picked up. And I feel like it was one of those. I remember when it was announced. It was like peak. Let's reboot everything dark and gritty. Like, mm-hmm. and people were like, "You're gonna do a dark and gritty version of the monsters? Fuck you!" <laughs> like, people were like really upset. I remember people being really upset about that. And then it was good, but then like it got lost in just like the wave of shit like that. And now the the monsters comes out and people are like. Mockingbird Lane was the right idea. And I was like, you fuckers. Like... Yeah, fucking... Uh, sucks. Yeah. Uh, well, at least Brian Fuller's got that Christine in the works. Yeah. You can never trust a Brian Fuller thing is going to come out until it comes out, though. I know, I know. God, and even is... then, it's like, ah, he'll probably get replaced. What? what is going on there? Like, I'm assuming, because he's got a lot of regulars... Yeah. You know? Um, so I'm assuming he's great to work with. My theory is that because his stuff is, like, genuinely, like, 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 uh-huh. it's so filled with artistry and patience and time, I'm willing to bet he's a little over time and over budget uh-huh. on a regular basis. I'm and just... I don't think that's a problem, but the money people sure do. Yeah. I also, I've heard he, like, he like does he's like one of those guys who like does everything when he's working on a show like he kind of like drives himself insane oh okay so i heard from someone who was like they were like yeah i did a guest spot on one of his shows and like i met him for maybe five minutes because he was like running between like seven different departments like oh my goodness you know that's also the stories we hear like there were like 17 units on like spider-man 3 yeah, and, like, Sam Raimi like was in charge of all of them. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I mean, some people just can't. I mean, I guess you just go insane, you know? Yeah, you know? yeah. But goddamn, he should have been the guy who was doing Star Trek. Like, I know it's so. Well, silly. his you know his idea, right? For Discovery. Uh, 
Well, what what was it? Just made it me upset. It was uh, every season was going to be a standalone story, and it would cover different time periods throughout the Star Trek history, following different uh, ships or, or different crews, either on the Discovery or on a different ship. And this wow, would either be literal or figurative. Wow, that sounds right? like a great idea. It makes sense they didn't do it. Yeah, um, it also would have been a little expensive. And again, that's not a me problem. That's the money people problem being yeah. like, well, we can't. It's, we can't it's not that. like Star Trek fans literally buy anything with the word Star Trek written on it. Yeah, there's like fucking how many Star Trek shows right now? Yeah, there's like seven Star Trek shows and they keep re-releasing things with like new features. Like, so you have to buy everything. Like, yeah. But it's, it, I, I'm willing to blame Akiva Goldsman. Who seems to get attached to things and just they're all well here right home. now there's Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, Which Lower is supposed Decks, to be good. Prodigy. That's five shows. Yeah. Is Prodigy five good? Five shows. I, I haven't heard a single thing about Prodigy since it came out. I haven't either, but it's uh that's that's like a kid show on Nickelodeon. Yes. Yeah. You know. But I mean it could that doesn't mean it's not bad that doesn't mean it's bad. No 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 I'm, but I'm just saying, like, I'm willing to give that one more of a pass than Star Trek Picard or yeah. Star Trek Discovery which has both of those are like two of the worst pilots I've seen in years yeah like that, really that was bad. like shockingly bad who directed those was it uh, was it what's his fuck Kurtzman he tried to be a director for like five minutes uh, no someone named Hanel M. Culpepper directed the first episode of Picard um, oh. I'm sorry uh, she's, she, she, that wasn't very convincing to check out her other work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Star Trek Discovery, the first director was David Semmel. Mm. I don't know who that is. Um, do oh, it's a, it's a traditional TV guy. He's it doesn't look cool. like Kurtzman tried to direct anything for any of these shows. No. Um, oh, Akiva yeah. Goldsman directed the third episode of Star yeah. Trek Discovery. I think Goldsman is like actually like a Star Trek fan. Like, I think he, he really likes Star Trek, so... Which makes sense. Um, you know, he's just not talented. Um, oh, wait, Alex Kurtzman directed the first episode of season two. Uh, oh. Oh. How about that dark universe? They should bring it back. They should. They should bring it back. <laughs> Fight everyone. Lose more money. Yeah. Oh, my you God. The last movie he's credited on is The Mummy. Yeah. That's what you get. And then, like, his what's-his-fuck, like, just has disappeared. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were working on, like, every job in Hollywood as yeah. screenwriters. Like, they took every fucking job. So they made a lot of money. Yeah, no, and they're you rich. Know what? They... If not for being a 9-11 truther, mm-hmm. I would say I respect that hustle for uh, Roberto Orshi mm-hmm. and just fucking vanish to the wind. You fuck up the industry with your screenplays, and then you just vanish. Okay. I almost respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know what. Uh... Oh, he was R- Roberto Orsi was just hired by Sony to write a script for an untitled Marvel film. He was hired in uh, March two thousand twenty, so that was two years ago. So, so that's probably canceled by yeah. now. Um, <laughs> we'll see now? how. Uh, fucking what's the next one? Uh, uh, the the Craven movie. They're filming Craven, which is psychotic. Yeah, um, it's J.C. Chandor. I know that's it. 
Like, you know what it was? That dude probably just couldn't get a, a regular job in Hollywood. Yeah. He probably he probably just needs money. Like you kind of at a certain point you do need to take a job for money in Hollywood. Yeah, like, uh, he. I listened to his conversation with Tony Gilroy around the time Triple Frontier was coming out, and he was saying that like you know it was, it was a little hard. It's like it was hard for him to get any directing jobs. Like it was like margin call, all is lost, most violent year back to back, and then it was like nothing. Like yeah. stuff kept falling through, and then yeah, Triple three Frontier, out, three outstanding movies, mm-hmm. and yeah. And then Triple Frontier, which is solid, just solid. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I don't like it that much, but I don't dislike it. I, I, I could see why uh, he was the guy to do it. I kind of wish Catherine Bigelow had done it, mm-hmm. but um, talented director. And then he comes back with Craven the Hunter, and it's like, oh man, that's how bad things are right now. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That's Ariana DeBose's next movie. Yeah. She was just in West Side Story fucking killing it. Mm-hmm. She won an Oscar. I mean, there's a lot of people that are just like, I guess that's what you do now. Um, <sighs> yeah. She's playing Calypso. I never thought I'd see Calypso on... I don't want to see... I don't care about that character. Taylor like, Johnson described his take on Craven the Hunter as an animal lover and protector of the natural world. It's followed by the subtitle of Craven, a big game hunter. Yeah, <laughs> which is like hilarious. If the movie is called Craven the Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> it's just so it like. Uh... It's like Craven's Last Hunt is like one of the best Spider-Man stories of all time. You know? Yeah. Like it's out. Outs- like and it's like. This is like you couldn't even get to that. Like you could like one of the the pitches for the third homecoming film was a a Craven movie that John Watts had in mind and that was after the fallout with Marvel and Sony. And then when Marvel and Sony got back together they were like, "Well, put all your characters in this one then." And then mm-hmm. that was like, "Okay, we're scrapping that idea then." And yeah, Tom but... Holland liked it so much that he won't talk about the idea in case he gets to do it eventually. Mhm. Which doesn't, I mean, whatever, I like Tom Holland. Maybe he doesn't have the best interest, like, best story instincts either. But, um, you know, it's like, okay, I could see how you do Craven after that second movie, at but least. But also, John Watts isn't, like, a great director. So. Uh, I, I think he's also been lost to it. Mm. Um, much like uh, another Marvel director, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, uh. But, you know, yeah, like, what the... Uh, Craven, I, who cares about that? Oh, and then Ryan Coogler wanted to do... Uh, Craven in one of the the Black Panther movies, mm. and now it's like well, now, now you can't, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Oh well, things are things are weird. Yeah. Imagine what would have happened if they just hadn't like decided to like bet it all on Venom with Spider Man Three. Damn. Like, you wouldn't be in this problem, Sony. <laughs> I guess they're happy. I guess they're making money, but. Yeah, you know, you probably would have a stronger franchise, but hey. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, Rob Zombie's the Rob Monsters. Zombie's the Monsters uh, is is great. It's on Netflix. Put it on. Yeah, um, um it, it's a children's film. Yeah. Even if you don't like it, um, people are really weird about how angry they're being about it. Like, what mm. what is wrong with you? Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen what makes you clap. 
You know, I've I've seen him all cheer at the stupidest shit. Like, yeah. don't act like you're above this. But also, like, I just I gotta be honest. Like, I'm not not trying to like beat a dead horse. I just don't understand the people that are like, Halloween Two is like this brilliant film. Oh, it is. Know? And like, yeah, sure, whatever. But like to see those same people turn around and then be like, yeah, but the monsters is where I draw the line. Uh there like, is a film critic I really like reading. Uh, <laughs> hang on, let me, let me let me pull up her her uh, account really quickly um, because she had some great writing on the monsters. Uh, Willow Caitlin McClay, uh, I, I subscribed to her Patreon. She has she's been doing the Twin Peaks uh, coverage lately. Uh, she just got to Firewalk with me. And she loved Rob Zombie's The Monsters. Uh, I'll, I'll read the opening sentences really quick on her coverage on that. She said, Zombie has continually proven he is among the most exciting and dynamic mainstream filmmakers for going on two decades now. With each and every film that he makes, he endears himself further to his audience in a way that is not entirely dissimilar from the rabid passion that certain people have for a director like Kevin Smith. Though Zombie is infinitely more talented, interesting, and willing to evolve. Um... Apart from the Kevin Smith slander, I don't much like his films either. Uh, I would agree that Zombie is not getting his credit at this point. Like, I, I well, just think he's got too much going on in his stuff. Here's the thing: like, I don't like his Halloween remakes, but like, they are interesting. You know, like, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna sit here and be like, I don't think they're foolish endeavors. And I have that feeling with a lot of his movies, where like sometimes they don't really click for me, but I'm like glad he tried. And that's why I'm, that's why I watch the monsters. Like I still show up for his movies because it's like, well, that one didn't work, but he's trying shit. And there are so few directors that feel like they're they're willing to do that anymore, you mm-hmm. know. And I, I'm always looking for him to surprise me, and he kind of did with the monsters. Yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah, you don't. I haven't seen Thirty One yet. Is Thirty One any good? Uh, it fizzles out at the end because that's another one he 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 ran out of money on. Yeah. He's had to finance his own stuff for a while now. Yeah. Which sucks. It sucks. It really does. Yeah. Um, Again, it's like, I've seen what you people clap at. Like, give, just give him a couple million dollars uh, and, and talk his wife out of being an anti-vaxxer. And yeah. hopefully uh, him too. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't cross over to him. <laughs> I, uh, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll put a pin in that for now. We'll put a, yeah, yeah. We'll keep an eye on those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but... But uh, yeah, the, the monsters. It's, it's, it's fucking Halloween. Go yeah. What the fuck? Go watch it. I watched um, it literally like on uh, September thirtieth, so it was a great way to kind of start the spooky season off. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, Matt, this is the end of the film blockbusters. What a disaster! Uh no, because we no. we ended with the monsters instead of Day of the Dolphin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were uh, lucky. We were lucky the monsters came out. <laughs> what? We were also else? lucky that uh, Don't Worry Darling made money. <laughs> oh, I did see that actually. Yeah. Did no you such, see it? No such thing as bad press. Um, I I read the <laughs> plot synopsis on Wikipedia because fuck that. Okay. Um, uh, but... no, I, yeah, it's just, whatever. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. But I didn't. I, didn't I made a I made a joke about what I thought the ending of the movie would be. 
and then um, it turned out, it, and yeah. then it turned out that's what the ending of the movie was. It's not that that clever. Someone described it as like a white woman watching Get Out, and mm-hmm. then them appropriating Get Out and being like, "Well, yeah, that was that. what was that was what was weird about the trailers is that like there was imagery in those trailers that was like, that's just Get Out, like yeah. you're lifting directly from that, and it's like unless you're a genius, I'm assuming you're not using those shots correctly. Like, <laughs> Olivia Wilde's not untalented as a director. Yeah, I, I would um, honestly just, agree maybe, with that. Maybe um, uh, needs maybe, a better maybe script. Maybe get a different co-writer next yeah. time. Um, and maybe uh, don't do everything <coughs> that allegedly happened on uh, the set of that movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Some people are just being misogynistic about it, so I've been hesitating. To I'm telling you, I've seen, more. I've seen but... this story. <laughs> I've seen this story play out too many fucking times. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, we're gonna find out that like. Jason Sudeikis like drowns puppies or something, and like <laughs> and like made Olivia Wilde watch, and that's why she left. So I think the mic cut out when I was saying Jason Sudeikis drowns puppies. Yeah, which is, or maybe Jason Sudeikis has eyes and ears everywhere. Maybe, maybe he was learning yeah. to shut me down. Yeah, um, just for context, uh, Matt's laptop died. Yeah, so that's why my I laptop am. died. I was making a point that like I know, or like, Jason Sudeikis shut it down. Ten years from now, we're going to point to this moment as, like, when a feminist backlash kicked in in our culture. And that, hey, I mean... It's probably I, not, not not incorrect, probably, um, uh, but that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't mean the I'm movie's not, good, but... I'm not going to name any other cases happening right now, but I think, considering what celebrity cases are going to trial right now and getting a lot of media coverage we're seeing a lot of hey maybe this woman is a dirty liar mm-hmm. instead of like hey here's empirical evidence that this person did bad things to their spouse mm-hmm. and kids and i don't know worth reading into that yeah. um and and we should just not you know not rush to and then constance Wu just came out and said you know like she got so much backlash and and uh criticism and it was overwhelming and and she um was going through it and no one really took the time to listen to her she sent out some tweets because she was going through it on a popular program she was on mm-hmm. uh behind the scenes there was sexual harassment and horrible horrible comments and and actions done against her and she was venting publicly and people were like hey be grateful you're uh, you're working and shit and it's like hey maybe you don't know what these people are going through yeah maybe you should not you know, rush to someone's attack or defense, and uh, just just listen once in a while. I don't know. Did people forget how to listen? Possibly. That's all I have to say about that for now, though. No, it's it's unfortunately it seems to be a fairly regular occurrence in our culture. Um, but people like people people like gossipy bullshit for whatever reason. That's why I now know who the try guys are. I don't know who those are yet, but I, I feel like they right. try out things. Yeah, let me let me break it down to these guys. I don't. I don't. And, let's just wrap up. And they we try just... things. It's a very comp. They made an industry out of this. Because because like I said, capitalism has destroyed all sense of community. So the fucking try guys are our community now. Hmm. Yeah, I hated that. Um, Watch the monsters. <laughs> the monsters, great stuff. Yeah, monsters, great stuff. Day of the Dolphin, not not so great, but I am buying that poster, and I'll buy the Blu-ray of the monsters because it's cute and fun, and um, stop being weird about it. Matt, this, that's it. Fail blockbusters are over this season. Yes. Um, next up, we got the we got Halloween ends. 
forgot i keep fucking forgetting yeah um we will see i have heard conflicting reports about screenings of that film i don't know what happens i just heard uh two separate screenings had two very separate reactions Mm -hmm. so it looks without saying anything it looks very scaled back compared to the last one yeah Uh, which might be the right move yeah it might be the right move but I, i can understand if maybe people aren't expecting that yeah, um, yeah. Watch it be like a masterpiece, but horror fans like hate it. <laughs> like, it'll, it'll that'd be, be funny. Be int- well, it's weird where it's like it's gone mainstream in these last two. Like, yeah, the average person responded fairly strongly to Halloween Kills. Like, yeah, I, I was talking to some friends yesterday, and they were like, "Oh yeah, I, I like Kills more than 2018." It's like maybe like top three of the franchise for me. And I was like, "What the fuck planet am I on?" Um, because I did not have that reaction to that movie. <laughs> I do like that movie for all its mistakes. I know. Um, I know. But I do like it. Um, oh, well. Anyway. Yeah, we'll talk about Halloween Kills. And then we might soon. do something else for Halloween. Yeah, I, then... I think I've, I've tweeted about it, but we'll. we'll, we'll... I, I think we, we know what we're doing for yeah. Halloween. And, and then. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And then we'll figure out what happens next. Yes. Uh, yes. Right. Uh, happy Amblin's just watching us from a distance yeah. in the clouds. I think we might be able to find time to work in some, but like it depends on our schedules, I guess. So yeah, um, yeah, because my November gets a little hectic. So yeah, uh, my my stuff's getting a little busy right now. So we're we're gonna figure something out. We'll figure it out. We'll, it'll, we'll figure. We'll all be great. Yes, we're all great here. We're all fine. How are here. you? <laughs> Uh, Matt, thank you for for this retrospective idea. It's always a blast recording with you. Yeah. I appreciate you, I like, your I conversation, do, and your friendship. I do like this the setup just because it allows us to discuss like a wider range of film, like you know, a wide array of films. Yeah, um, what's the last franchise we did? I don't even remember. Uh, did we do any franchise in this? Like, we haven't done any franchises in, in a while. Yeah, which I'm, I I feel good about, honestly. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we've exhausted the big ones, at least. Yeah, the ones that, like, we at least are interested in talking about. Yeah, there um, might be, like, another one down the line, but, like, I don't... I could see us maybe doing a Nightmare on Elm Street one. Ooh. Because, um, like... That's, there you go, that's the one. Those films are very good. Uh, or at least interesting. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, there's one, but whatever. There's a lot, there's a lot to mine there, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if there's any franchises that, like... You did text something about a franchise we should do, but I can't even remember. Um, every now and then, oh, Diego shit, will send me ideas, and I'm like, no. <laughs> but um, we'll we'll figure it out. We got yeah. we got some. We got to get through Happy Amblin though. Like that's gonna be a I fucking know, multi-year project, apparently. Yeah, no, it's it's gonna be our legacy. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh yeah, yeah. people are bang- for some reason conservative people find it and then get really angry at the stuff we upload. I don't know why that keeps happening to that one. It's a happy Amblin. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, we know Spielberg's. I mean, we know, uh, we know Sandler's target market. That might be it. <laughs> so, I also think, maybe I also think there are people that just want to like, yeah, let's dunk on Adam Sandler and then like we'll go in and like talk about fucking the Cold War or some shit like. <laughs> And everyone's all, like, confused. Hey, but you know what people really do like, unironically? Mm. Is Monkey Bone. <laughs> oh, they did not care for our not liking Monkey Bone. No, no, they they uh, they, they liked it. It's just, for some reason, it's, like, one of the more popular uploads I've had. In oh, okay, that's good. There. And I'm, like, I'm, still right, shocked the, I'm shocked the JFK one did well. 
Yeah, so. well, it did well on like uh, SoundCloud and Spotify, mm. and let me let me check where did it. Ah, it's got like less than a hundred views on YouTube, which is about right. Yeah, I think. <laughs> like, well, I think also YouTube has like tried to like stifle conspiracy talk on the website a little bit, like so. Mm. The algorithm might have come down on that episode. Yeah, fucking tough guys don't dance has more views on YouTube than JFK. Wild, which is hysterical. Wild. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that was uh, a great season of failed blockbusters. Next time, we'll try to pick stuff that uh, doesn't end on a downer. Yeah. Maybe we should kind of, like, if we haven't seen something, we should front load it with that. Yeah, then, yeah. Well, this is this note. was one where we, I think we, we originally wanted to do a shorter version <laughs> of failed blockbusters, and then we just kept adding movies. Yeah. And so it ended yeah. up a lot longer than we originally intended. Yeah. Oh my god, you know what? I just remembered the last franchise we did was Scream. Oh and yeah. We're talk about Scream 6 next year. Yeah. At least Kirby's back. Yeah. If she fucking dies in the cold open, yeah. I'm I'm gonna leave the theater. I want you to know that right now and I will talk about it. <laughs> I will talk about it and then I will let you talk about it. You know what I realized? <laughs> they did a documentary called uh You Can't Kill David Arquette. Yeah, yeah. I forgot that. Uh, well, I guess the writers and directors of Scream 5 didn't see that. Haha. <laughs> I bet you they'll find a way to bring him back. They'll have him do a tape like, uh, fucking Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, no, no, I think, like, it could be like, I knew what was getting too rough, so I had to fake my death. Oh. And it was the only way to get away from it all. No, I don't think they're, like, stupid. I just don't think... Like their thing worked like at yeah, all. Yeah, but know. but still, fucking bring him back. Who cares? Yeah, who? Yeah, who gives a shit anymore? Mm-hmm. Uh, is is Nev, Nev Campbell even in it? Um, I think she says she's done after a certain point. Um, okay, and so maybe yeah, she's not. I know they weren't paying her her worth and shit, so yeah. she's like, "Fuck this," and I respect that. Yeah, it's her fucking franchise. Anyways, okay, fail blockbusters wrapping up. Uh, we'll see you for Halloween Kills, Matt. Again, thanks so much for everything. Yes, Where can the people this find is you? Great, and I love doing it. Okay, um, good. Me too. John Waters uh, is doing a movie. What? It says John Waters is set to write and direct a movie for Village Roadhouse. First gig since two thousand four. You know what? That fucking rules. Let's fucking bring it on. Yeah. Who knows? Fucking though. remind people what actual shocking cinema is. Yeah. Or John Waters comes out and makes something that's like, wait, no. <laughs> like, we, yeah. we could have done without that. I know. He's like, he's got like a weird conservative bone in his body or something like that. We just never saw before. Yeah. Yeah, it says it says it's on Deadline. It says he's going to do a movie. All right. So. Hey, de- Deadline, for all their lack of sourcing, is pretty accurate. Yeah. So. They got that network. Yeah. They got yeah, that. Cool. They got those. Got the... They're like less scuzzy TMZ. Yeah. <laughs> TMZ fucking reports a lot of facts for some reason. Yeah. I mean, uh, about when people die, it's like always true, which is fucked up and weird. Mm-hmm. That's not an endorsement. I'm just saying it's fucked up and weird. That just means they fucking cornered like hospitals. Yeah. Like they just, they have someone in every hospital. It's so There's... fucked up. Yeah. Imagine if you knew that was your coworker. <laughs> God, I would, I would not be friends with them. Mm-hmm. I would avoid them as often as possible. But you know that means that they're like going around asking people questions like everywhere all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so, I heard what's his face is on this level. How's he doing? Yeah. Like, 
That's why there's that scene in Nope. <laughs> How much do you think you get money for just giving like that information, though? You get a couple hundred dollars, I think. Yeah, but I guess, it feels like you got that's a network you got to support there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Whatever. Teams is run by monsters. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. EmperorTMZ1? Hey! <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. Uh, and you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you cannot get early access to the next thing we do because Halloween Kills isn't out yet, mm-hmm. uh, and it won't be out for, like, another week after this goes up, at least. Yeah, and then we'll have to record it at some point, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll try to clear a weekend or something like that. I think my until Halloween is like pretty good. Um, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe if you didn't like this. Like, subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. May have been professionally. Goodbye, Judy Foster. Goodbye, <laughs> Jonathan Demi. Goodbye. <laughs>